Hey, everybody, welcome back to Off the Couch on the Blister Podcast Network, where we take a closer look each week at the wide, weird, and wonderful world of running. I'm your host, Jonathan Ellsworth. I'm also the founder of Blister, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Off the Couch is presented by CBG Trails. The CBG Trails app is the only complete trail map app of Crested Butte and the Gunnison Valley, Colorado. So download the app today and start exploring. When Cam Smith graduated high school back in 2014, he had little or no mountain experience. But fast forward a few years, and Cam is now an accomplished trail runner, mountain biker, he's a member of the U.S. Ski Mountaineering Team, a repeat winner of the Grand Traverse Mountain Run, which takes place from Crested Butte to Aspen, and he's a repeat winner of the Grand Traverse Triple Crown, which is awarded to the person with the fastest combined times for the run, ski, and mountain bike segments of the Grand Traverse. Now, all of this is wildly impressive, and perhaps especially since Cam grew up in Rockford, Illinois, which isn't exactly an incubator of high alpine achievement. So I sat down with Cam in Blister HQ to talk about his journey, his goals, his relation to running and skiing and mountain biking, his work as a coach and as a guide at the Adaptive Center here in Crested Butte, and more. And as you are about to see, more than anything, Cam is somebody who loves to be moving through the mountains, and he also loves to encourage and to help others get out and move too. And so both because of his impressive accomplishments and his infectious attitude, it is my great pleasure to introduce you to Cam Smith. Well, this is very cool having you up here, and it's great to, I mean, we are meeting for the first time today, which again feels strange because um, uh, as has now happened several times, turns out there's a lot of just badasses that live in the Gunnison Valley, and uh, and you certainly are one of them. So you are yet another person who I get asked quite a bit, like, well, you know Cam, right? And I'm like, well, no, not yet, but just, <laughs> just give me a minute, you yeah. know? Um, Cam, one of the things that you are really well known for in these parts is for a little race called the Grand Traverse, right? Uh, that's what people say. Yeah. (laughs) Tell us a little bit about the Grand Traverse. Uh, so the Grand Traverse started as a ski race in, was it 1998, 97, something like that. And, um, was conceived as this race to ski from Crest Butte to Aspen as fast as you could. Originally on Nordic gear, since moving towards ski mountaineering or skimo gear, and has been a huge kind of cornerstone of both the CB and Aspen communities since then, and has attracted people from all over the country and all, all over the world to do this ski race. And then with all the popularity of the ski race, someone decided a few years ago, like, what if we did a run on a bike? And then someone decided, what if we did a run from here to there, CB to Aspen on Saturday, and then a bike back the next day? Yeah, great idea. We'll do the whole thing and call it the Triple Crown, all three. And then each of the three is is kind of growing into its own beast. Yeah. yeah. And so 
when is the schemo portion? That happens usually around- uh, That's late March. Late March, yeah. okay. And the run one day, bike back the next? Is Labor Day weekend, so Labor. early September. Yeah. yeah. Now, do you happen to know the first year they introduced the run and bike? That must have been 2014, so there's been six editions. Okay. What was the first year you competed? Uh, last year, 2018. Okay. Yeah, I had done the ski a few times before, but last year was my first summer, summer one. Got it. How'd you do in the ski? Uh, I won the ski. What year was that? 2018. Oh, 2018 was yeah. the first. Okay. Yeah, okay. so last year. Okay. That was the first ever of any of the legs. No, sorry. So I had done the ski a couple times before. I did it with my sister my first time. as like a fun thing to do together. Had a DNF, had a year where I skipped it, and then 2018 was my third time doing it, and then first time winning. Winning. Too. Yeah. Okay. So 2018, you win the ski, and you do the summer 2018 or? I do, I did the run on the bike and kind of surprised myself. And I think a lot of folks and won the run in a then course record and then finished fifth in the bike the next day. Okay. And the way they do the scoring here, talk about that. It's just uh, lowest combined time. So if you ski in eight hours, eight hours and eight hours and your finish is 24 hours. And then whoever has the lowest of the three um, is then the, the triple crown. Right. So 2018, with the ski and the run and the bike, your cumulative was? Uh, in the 17s, I think the low 17s. Okay. But then you came back in 2019. Yeah. <laughs> so this year, and then talk to us about the 2019 triples. Yeah, so it started with the ski in March, um, and that was actually a little bit slower because the, the course was a little bit tougher. There was some new snow, so we were breaking trail a little bit. And the time ended up being a little bit slower. And then the run surprised myself quite a bit again and ran a little bit faster <laughs> than the year before. And then was just like worked the next day for the bike and finished around where I did the year before a little yeah. bit slower. But cumulatively? It was actually slower this past year than it was the year before because the ski was a little bit longer. Okay. I think it was a difference of 10 or 20 minutes or something. Okay. Yeah. But didn't you get... But like on the cumulative, you took first in overall, I thought. Yeah. Both years. Right. So, okay. This is the consistent problem with off the couch. And I talk about this <laughs> on like every episode. Everyone is so humble on this podcast that I have to like pull out of them. So I think the way that you described 2018, it would not be clear that you were the overall triple crown winner. <laughs> Well, so, well, I was sure. Yeah. <laughs> and then you got it. You got it out of me. Yeah. <laughs> Basically what I'm saying is I think you should hire me as your PR person. Like I, I am happy. Sure. I am happy to get out there. My hype man. Yeah. You're yeah, hype sure. man. Yeah. yeah. So uh, no charge free of charge. Yeah. But, uh, Everyone needs one of those. <laughs> everybody needs a good hype man. So, so yeah, well, I'm glad we were able to get to this point. So 2018 overall Grand Traverse triple crown leader. Correct. Repeat winner in 2019. Correct. That's pretty yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. Let's talk a little bit about how you got to this. So um, you didn't grow up around these parts. I sure didn't. I'm a proud native of Rockford, Illinois, which is quite a bit different than yeah. Krista Butte. <laughs> yeah. 
like born and raised in Rockford or? Yeah, I was there until the day I graduated high school and then was on a one-way plane ticket to Colorado the next next morning at like 6 a.m. or something. So this is always <laughs> intriguing to me, like not so many mountains around Rockford. No, sure not. What made you think I'm going to school in Colorado? Well, I, uh, I was a runner in high school, track and cross country and loved it, was obsessed with it and wanted a school to run at and wasn't quite fast enough to get scholarships anywhere or go D1 anywhere. And this school, Western in Gunnison, which I had heard of because my parents met at Western and my older sister, who's my only sibling, was there a couple years ahead of me, had this awesome running program. And I was like, sweet, I can like walk on in this cool D2 school and be in this amazing environment and run really fast. And like, that's all that matters in life. So I'll go do that. And then when I was probably a senior in high school was just having some injury issues and frustrations and just wasn't doing that well with it all. And thought like, you know, like maybe it's mentally more healthy for me to not make my life about running in circles, but was already all set up to go to school. Like, well, it's kind of late to change that. And my sister who was here before me again, um, was like, you should do mountain biking and this cool thing called the Grand Traverse with me. We're going to be partners and maybe you can trail run. And I was like, uh, like, I don't know, maybe we'll start with biking. I'll let you know about the Grand Traverse. That sounds kind of intimidating. And I don't know if I want to ski with you. <laughs> and, and then I got out here and she was just like the greatest older sister ever, mm. even though we weren't super close growing up. Mm. Um, and mountain biking was super fun and I loved every second of it. Uh, even though I was pretty awful the first year, you don't have, there's no like humble serum on that. Like that's yeah. true. I promise. You were, you were pretty bad, bad. pretty bad. Pretty yeah. bad at the mountain bike. And then same with Nordic skiing and like did okay with some trail running. And I was like, ah, like, I don't know if I really want to like spend my whole winter getting ready to like ski 40 miles with you. I don't know how I feel about that. And it was eventually kind of reluctantly, like I'll do the GT with you as a thank you for being a cool older sister. It's like a small repayment of like, you're the best, so fine, I'll do this thing with you. And we just had like the most fun skiing all winter. And she took me backcountry skiing for the first time and showed me how to do everything. And I met a lot of cool people in the valley and we did the traverse kind of recreationally and finished mid-pack. And it was just like the coolest experience. And I was like, this is great. Now I'll build my life around this instead. <laughs> and, and I've just had a blast since then. I'm super bummed that your sister isn't with us right now. Yeah. <laughs> I think this, I think, would be an amazing conversation, yeah. like talking about these. How do you feel about the fact that Cam did not want to ski with you? Yeah, <laughs> she, she's heard the story a million times. <laughs> How old are you now? Uh, I just turned 24. Just turned 24. And so you came out to Western when you're... Uh, like 18, yeah. like for college, straight out of high school. And so before then had never been on a mountain bike? Never been on a mountain bike. I had like skied five days a year on alpine skis at like little hills in the Midwest or I had taken a trip or two to Colorado when I was young. Um, and that was kind of it for outdoor stuff. I like rock climbed in a gym. I thought that was really fun, but like nothing, nothing else. What else were you into as a kid? Like the zero to 18, you said you ran track and cross country, but yeah. in addition to that? Yeah, I loved running. Um, I loved baseball. My grandma raised me as an avid Chicago Cubs fan. Here, here. And, <laughs> um, and yeah, I would just, I don't know. I, I played baseball a little bit. Was never very good at that either. 
again, honest, honest. not humble serum. Appreciate it. Pretty bad at it. <laughs> but right. like, I did a lot of like wiffle ball with friends and yeah. playing frisbee with friends and and just all things running. And I swam a little bit. Never loved that. Um, but I just loved like playing other sports recreationally with friends and stuff. Was that the thing that you were kind of most into as a kid? Just maybe not like this is going to be my life, but. Or were you like, I loved books or I loved science projects or I loved playing the trumpet? Like, um, was never good enough at anything else other than being outside. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, I don't know. When you're young, you're like looking for something to kind of latch onto and like something you're good at and gives you that sense of confidence and like self perception. And, um, I, I guess I kind of found that one with running when yeah. I was like 13 or 14. And so what were your first events or what were you, what did you like most or what were you best at? Um, I really loved track relative to cross country. I liked running fast and I thought it was cool to be around like the sprinters and the field events. And I, there's just a lot more people to hang out with than the other like cross country nerds <laughs> during track season. There's just more, <laughs> more types of people around. And I thought that was really fun. And, and I just liked that kind of pure performance of like how fast can you run this event and this event and yeah. So what were the, what were your primary events? Uh, like mile and 800 and I loved the four by four because I just thought it was super cool to be on a like fast relay. Yeah. yeah. How would you, how were you at those events? What was the, what was, did you have one that you were clearly the best at of those three? Um, I guess the mile and I, I always tell people I never qualified for a state meet. <laughs> They're like, wow, you must've been running well, like your whole life. And I like, I was kind of a nobody in Illinois. There's a lot of fast high school kids there. And I ran 427 in the mile, which I'm really proud of. I, it like took a lot of work and it was kind of what I hung my hat on, but like, it, that's not anything special relative to the other thousand high school kids every year that can run that, you know? What was, when you were a senior in high school, what was like state qualifying time in the mile? Like four twenty two. So I was I was just off, yeah. but yeah, it was it was tough, competitive. <laughs> this makes me feel real bad, but I'm gonna like, <laughs> I'm gonna have a confession to make. Let's do it. I don't think I've I don't think I've told this story on this podcast, but <laughs> I was a sprinter, like just ran the hundred and two hundred and and, cool. and really only did that as training for football. So yeah. like one day though, my track coach um, we had like a Tuesday meet, like a smaller meet, yeah, right? Yeah. Not a big Friday uh -huh. meet or whatever, a weekend meet. And uh, I, I came in to practice and saw that he had penciled me in for the 400. <laughs> and I just erased my name. Oh my God. <laughs> no way. He never, he never said anything wow. to me. It never came up. But I was just like, at 200, I was like, I'm out. Like, I'm done. I just I just gave you everything <laughs> I had. And I just was like, yeah, I can't do that because I'm too stubborn to, like, slow down even if I was going to die. And I yeah. thought I would die. Yeah. And so, yeah, I literally just... You're like, that might as well have been an ultra marathon. You're like, no <laughs> at, way, dude. Yeah, that's, at the time. That's twice as much that, as I'm possibly capable of running. Yeah. Exactly. That's that was, awesome. That was my ultra. So I, I'm... I'm very proud of you. A lot of props <laughs> that you didn't just erase your name off like the 800, which is probably even worse. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, but at the 400, it's like you're, it's just a sprint and you're not allowed to like, at yeah. least in the 800, you can get a little bit sometimes into like, okay, we came out a little bit slow. Yeah. But like, no, I think I would have died running a yeah. 400. So. <laughs> 
Anyway, I'm proud of you. Oh, good. Thanks. Um, <laughs> You're a good hype man. Yeah. yeah. I'm working on it. Yeah. So you get to Western and are you competing in track and or? Cross- no. So I had never even uh, started. Like by the time I got there, I was already kind of done with running and really reluctantly done. Like I wished I could have been running, but I was just like so into it and so just immersed in, in running in high school that like I would get us like my Achilles would hurt and I couldn't run for three days and I would just be in terrible mental shape. You know, like, oh my God, I can't run. I'm going to get slow, blah, blah, blah. I can't do the only thing that I'm into. And it just, yeah, it wasn't healthy. It wasn't good. And so I like wished I could have still been running and I kind of had to make myself move away, but it was absolutely the right decision mm-hmm. by then. So you're, you go through four years at Western? Uh, like three and a half. Three and I a came half. in with some credits. Yep. And, yeah. And so the whole time you're not competing at Western at all. You're just a student. Only as a, well, mountain sports. Okay. So I was never with the NCAA programs. Got it. Um, but from like day one was mountain biking with mountain sports. Um, actually just a, a little bit of trail running. I was way more bike heavy in the summer and then learned how to Nordic ski with them, which was really fun. And then the whole like schemo deal. Okay. As well. Let's talk about biking first. Are we talking more cross country focused, more yeah, enduro more, or yeah, cross country mountain biking. So there's kind of two events in endurance biking at the collegiate level, and that's cross country, which is like a 90 minute race uphill downhill, or short track, which is like kind of a 20 minute like sprint fest, which I thought was really fun <laughs> and cool. And then the gravity folks have their downhill race, start at the top, finish at the bottom. And then often like a dual slalom where there's two people racing side by side or like an enduro, which is more of like a long pedally downhill or where you're getting to the top human powered and racing all kinds of variations thereof. Yeah. So I did cross country and short track and loved both of those. There'd be team relays once in a while, like at nationals. Um, and we would all kind of race a few downhill or slalom events every year just for fun. Like, oh, all the cross country guys are going to race downhill this week. It's going to be cool. But that was all just for fun. How do you, how are your skills on a DH course? (laughs) (laughs) On a DH course, not very good. I can like handle myself on the descents biking. And I've definitely, definitely started off way, way the opposite. Like I could climb well um, and could not ride my bike that first year or two. And then um, I like to think I've gotten a bit better, but you have to be careful saying that you know how to ride a bike yeah. around here because yeah there's because <laughs> one because you never know who, who you're talking to yeah and and turns out aspens are narrowly spaced and unforgiving yeah, yeah. so yeah. yeah i know you, you yeah. yeah karma yeah um, so i i love the downhill part of it and i like to think that i've gotten quite a bit better but like i'm i wouldn't do well in a downhill race uh-huh. for sure the schemo part of it, it sounds like that was kind of the first thing that took off for you more so than like, wow, I'm really going to be, I don't know, maybe this is a bit in terms of identity and just time spent, but like ski, ski mountaineering is a bigger portion. Uh, currently for sure. Yeah. 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 That's kind of my main, main sport that I love the most, put the most into. Yeah. For sure. And so talk about that with respect to, to running. I mean, obviously you're running at a pretty good level right now. And so running and ski mountaineering, I mean, we had Steve V. Kramer on Mm -hmm. um, and she talked really well about how she thinks those two activities just 
you know, go really nicely hand in hand and the like, but talk a bit about your experience with those two activities. Totally. Um, you know, I don't think it would be telling the whole story without including biking in the summer too. Yeah. So I think like as a skier, as a schema racer, I find that it's really helpful to do both sports in the summer to run and the bike because on the bike, you can get a lot more volume in, um, a lot more just like unplanned intensity and more kind of keeping your like coordination brain awake with its sense and stuff and being able to see really cool places and go far. And then running is probably more muscularly related to skiing uphill, the skinning, especially running uphill. And, and I think that that gives you a lot more, you have the muscular component and then some just, yeah, mixing it up in the summer and getting the different stimulus and different types of training. And I think mixing them both is, is super beneficial. I would say too, like the biking and the running help each other where like, I, I just wouldn't run seven days a week. Like that's not something I do and not something I want to do. Like I, because I can do both sports interchangeably in the summer, like I'm really excited every time I get out on, get out on my bike and I'm really excited when I put my running shoes on because I'm not doing them every day or twice a day, every day. Yeah. Um, like getting that 50, 50, like makes each one really exciting. Do you have a kind of tip in a typical week? How often are you running? How often are you riding? It's probably split really close to 50, 50. Mm -hmm. Like I, I don't use any like training software or any, any of those more technical, uh, breakdowns, but, um, like anecdotally, anecdotally, I, I feel that it's kind of 50, 50 and if I do go back and check, I, I bet it would look pretty close to mm -hmm. an even split. When did you kind of flip the switch for wanting to be as kind of competitive as you can be in these different sports? Yeah, well, that was kind of the idea starting off was I had this kind of unhealthy competitive relationship with running. So I'm going to go and do mountain biking and schemo and Nordic and all these things that I'm new at that surely I won't be very good at, which was true, I promise. Um, and that'll like force me to be non-competitive and learn new things and meet new people and learn new ways to experience the outdoors. And that's kind of exactly what happened my whole first year or so uh, doing them was like, if you're not very good, it's hard to be super mentally competitive and invested in your results. Like when you're finishing last place or struggling to get across the finish line um, but it was really, really exciting to be learning new things. And like, I could just feel my brain being like more awake than ever because I was learning all these complicated new sports all at the same time while also going to school and also working and being in this new environment and just like made me feel really good to be doing all kinds of new stuff all the time. And it was, yeah, super fun. You know, like I fell in love with each of those sports as kind of like a recreational racer, like mid-pack in the GT kind of scooting along on the bike team. Same thing with Nordic, whatever. And then over time kind of started to figure things out a little more and do a little better. And I was like, man, I, I do really love competing and racing and getting the most out of myself and all those things. And it kind of slowly came back in a much healthier way because I was able to take that time off and gain the perspective of what it's like to just be in the events, doing them for fun. And now I feel like I understand a lot better like when I'm at the finish line of something like the Traverse, my favorite part is watching the back half of the race come in and like high-fiving those people. Oh my gosh, nice job. How was your race? You're awesome. That's cool. And like hearing those people's stories because now I, yeah, I just feel like I have a better understanding of and a better perspective of what, 
what we're all doing out there. So how do you think of yourself these days when it comes to schemo, runner, biker? Um, my favorite thing to do is whatever I'm doing that day. Yeah. <laughs> um, but if you let me ski 300, 365 days a year, I would be stoked about it. If you told me no more skiing, you're just going to be a summer sport guy. The rest of your life, I'd be pretty bummed. Like, I think about skiing a lot in the summer. Huh. I don't think about running or biking in the winter. You know, I think that's a good way to <laughs> describe it to people. Yeah, that's interesting. I, we were talking a, a little bit before we started recording, and I love skiing. I love mountain biking. But I think the thing that I actually love the most about running is actually the lack of gear. Totally. You yeah. know, and it's just like, man, these mountain bikes are expensive and a lot can go wrong with them. And skiing, especially because I spend a lot of time ski testing and reviewing, mm -hmm. it's just like, boy, it's nice to be like, cool, I'm going to go do that thing. I should put shoes on. Yeah. <laughs> and then I just go outside and there we go. And yeah. I, the simplicity of that just means a lot to me, I think. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I think, different things that are really attractive about any of those sports that we do outside. And, and these are just for me, there's different reasons that kayaking or climbing or whatever is super um, meaningful to other people. But like, I love the simplicity of being able to go out for a run and the access it gives me in the summer and being able to go to peaks and go into wilderness and all that. And I love biking because I can cover lots of ground and see lots of places and I love riding downhill. And I love skiing for Kind of all the reasons <laughs> I can I can see a lot of places and I love skiing and I love um, just all the different types of of skiing you can do in a winter. I love riding chairlifts and going out for a skate ski and going for a backcountry ski and skinning up and down the resort. Like it's just all fun to me and yeah, love it. Do you have any favorite runners or runners that you either just really admire or you're like I would kind of like to emulate? Yeah, that's a super good question. When I first moved here, there's a guy named Brian Smith. Yeah. And if you know what, I thought he was the coolest. Like he does well in the alley loop and wins the Grand Traverse and loves to run and loves to bike and he even swims, which isn't my thing, but great for him. <laughs> and um, was really nice and welcoming to me as like some bright-eyed, bushy-tailed 18-year-old that showed up. And I was like, Brian Smith's the coolest. I want to be just like him. And then all of a sudden we were like peers and teammates. And then all of a sudden, like we were racing together. And then all of a sudden I was able to beat him at some events too. And that was a really cool process. And, and we're still good friends and hmm. love to get out together and such. But he was kind of, when I got here, I was like, oh, he's cool. I want to be like, like Brian Smith. <laughs> That's awesome. What about on the skiing or mountain biking side? That's a good question too. Hmm. Like similarly with kind of that process with Brian, like, in high school, even before I was trail running or running long distances, I thought Rob Carr was really cool. Like, oh, here's this bearded guy that like <laughs> is running mountains and talking about mental health and skiing and like, he's pretty cool. And then all of a sudden I was like, wow, I'm at a race with Rob Carr. And then all of a sudden I was like, wow, I just beat Rob Carr when I was like <laughs> 21 years old. And then he's again, a really cool guy. And someone I really enjoy being around. Um, and in like schemo racing now, there's a guy named John Gaston who lives over the hill in Aspen yeah. that just dominates yep. skiing. And like, I think I can win pretty much any race, any event, anywhere in North America. 
against anybody except for John, who I've never beaten in anything. <laughs> and so again, continuing with the theme, super cool guy, someone I like being around, but like I like he drives me for sure to like <laughs> he's better than me at like every part of the race. Huh. And so it's like I yeah, it it's really exciting to have somebody to chase that yeah. just lives over the hill and um I race a lot and see a lot and all that. Just to be fair, what you just said is true of basically every other person in the country too. When yeah, you're like, he's still, better than yeah. me at every aspect. It's yeah. like, that's what everyone has to sadly say, right? Yeah. Like, John's pretty good at what he does. He sure is. Yeah, my God. Yeah. Um, what are some goal races that you have in mind for, say, just this coming up year? Yeah, my ski season is sort of just now coming together of when I'm going to be where. And there's a couple of early season events in Colorado to kind of get things started. And then I'll go over to Europe in late January and early February and race some of the Schema World Cup, two of the six or two of the five stops. And that'll be a really good kind of like test to see where I'm at this year and some really hard racing and really good experience. I'll come back and do a lot of the US races that I think are really cool, like the Gothic Mountain Tour right here in CB, uh, Five Peaks, Telluride, a lot of the kind of longer US races, the Shedhorn in Montana, which will also serve as US Nationals, and then the Grand Traverse, which I'll race with Mike Foote, um, which is really exciting, and then potentially leaving again is where things get complicated to go to Canada and do a race at Whistler, because somehow I've never been to Canada and then maybe the the PDG, the Petru de Glacier, hopefully no one from Europe heard me try to pronounce that. <laughs> um, that's a race uh, from Zermatt to Verbier and kind of like the original big time schema race that thousands of people compete in. And um, I've never been able to make it there. So that'd be really exciting to go mm. to. Long term, where would you like to take all this stuff? whether it's with running or biking or schemo or some combination? I mean, for now, I'm just really enjoying doing any of the three sports and doing whatever race I'm at and just like having a lot of fun, seeing what I can get out of myself and, and the little bit of travel I get to do and the people I get to meet and all that. And I'm just loving how things are right now. And like, I don't think a lot about like in the next 10 years I want to do this race or win this thing this many times or set this record or whatever. Um, but there's broader kind of more overarching goals of, um, I'd love to do really well internationally. I'd love to try to get like a top 10 at a world championship or a world cup. Um, I'd love to win a lot of national championships. I'd love to win traverses and the other big races in the U S and uh, schema is not in the Olympics right now, but it's looking like it will, what is it, like seven years from now, six years from now in 2026 when it's at Cortina. Um, it's been a long process to try to get schema back into the Olympics, and that'll happen when I'm like 29, 30, and so I'd, I'd be lying if if that was if I said that wasn't on my mind yeah. big time. Yeah. yeah. So... I'm getting the sense, so please correct me if I'm wrong, that it sounds like your approach to training so far is, let's call it, rather intuitive and kind of listening to your body. I don't 
Absolutely. I, I haven't yeah. heard anything about training logs and yeah. <laughs> running with heart rate monitors. Maybe so like help me out. Like what does your when you're talking about like, dude, I, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't interested in top ten world championship placements, mm -hmm. how are you gonna get there? What's the plan look like? So like I my major at Western was exercise and sports science, and I've been like a nerd about it since I was 13, 14 and just kind of getting started with everything. And so I like I I'm not doing this all off the cuff. Like I have scientific backing for what I'm doing and I work as a fitness class instructor and a personal trainer and a coach and instructor. And like, this is what I do. Um, but as far as my own training, like Jonathan can see here, I have a stopwatch held together by electrical tape that was $11. And <laughs> I do write down my workouts, but I don't go back and really record things. And I don't know how many miles I went or how many vert I did, but I'm certainly going out with a purpose when I go out and I still know that, okay, I'm in a, a volume phase here and a kind of thresholdy phase here and an interval phase here and a little mix of things here. And there's scientific backing to every decision I make, but I'm still planning training out 24 or 48 hours in advance. And I don't think that I'm compromising uh, performance by taking a more sort of like fun centered approach. I think I'm, I'm doing what I should be doing if my goal is performance. Like I'm like being happy out there and doing what feels good and doing what sounds like fun is beneficial to a point that like heart rate monitors and trying to hit certain numbers and stuff is not. And I have a lot of respect for people that think differently than I do in that way. But I think me going out and skiing with my friend Billy and doing what sounds really fun that day when there's powder or a peak we want to go to or whatever is the right thing for me that day. And I think that going out and doing those nighttime taste blood collapse at the end intervals the next day is the right thing for me then. And I'm, I'm balancing those all the time. And I, I don't think, like I said, I'm not compromising one or the other. I think that doing what feels good to me and is fun is what's leading me to my own optimal performance. Just having fun while I'm doing it. So sounds like you would say you don't have a problem motivating yourself on the big hard days. No, no problem. <laughs> like I, yeah, I love pushing myself and I love seeing what I'm capable of. And I also think that I know when to back off and, and I probably don't do that as much as I should, but um, taking a day off, if that means missing a day of fun in the mountains for the sake of recovery and slightly better performance, then that that's not worth it to me. Like I want to do, I'm not here to optimize every little thing I can do. Like at the end of the day, this is, this is for fun. Like I'm kidding myself if I think that building my life around being competitive is all there is, you know, like nobody really cares what you do. Nobody cares what you accomplish. Like people care about how you make them feel. And personally, I care about the good I do for the world and trying to skin up this route in 38 minutes and 45 seconds instead of 39 minutes is just for me. And that's a selfish thing and something I really like, but that's separate from the rest of my life and the rest of my interests. Hmm. Outside of the Grand Traverse, are you getting into other running races or other biking races or 
is the competitive stuff really focused on that's schemo yeah so the the summer for me is a little more laid back relative to the winter and kind of this year and i think going forward i just did a lot of local events that i found cool or interesting both running and on the bike that i thought kind of built me towards being fit for winter so i did the grand traverse triple crown so both races and i did the same thing for the power of four over in aspen so they have a ski and a run and a bike as well and so did all those and then a half marathon here locally and the summer for me is a little more set aside for working and um, my other passions and all that and uh, kind of getting myself ready for winter both financially and <laughs> uh, and fitness wise mm -hmm. yeah. is that to say because I'm not sure you explicitly said this you're not that invested at in top performances or top finishes at running or bike races uh, I'd agree with that yeah I think you could say that that's pretty cool, actually. And, and I like that for this podcast in particular. <laughs> like that's kind of a bit of the point of this is like, turns out you can be a passionate runner and not somebody who's focused on podium finishes and we still want to talk to you, yeah. right? Like it's, it's a good, I think stuff like this and when you said earlier, and I'm kind of asking you, well, what's your favorite, running or schema or biking? And you're like, whatever I'm currently doing. And on Schemo, that might be where I'm looking for top finishes and the rest, but I'll enter stuff because it's fun and it's good for me. And on the running side, totally, I'll enter yeah. stuff. But um, yeah, it's not going to ruin my day maybe if I uh, <laughs> didn't quite make that podium or, or win that race. Yeah. I mean, like when I'm running, whether it's in training or in a race, like I, I promise you, I love it <laughs> just as much as anyone else that is head over heels, heels for running. But I just don't want to be in love with it seven days a week, 12 months a year. And that's what's right for me. And that's what's healthy for me physically and mentally. And, and that's not true for everybody, but that's just what I found for myself. You mentioned a minute ago, your other passions. What are those other passions? Um, I love what I do for work <laughs> uh -huh. uh, all year round. In the summer, I work for the Adaptive Sports Center here in Crested Butte. So we take folks with any physical disability, cognitive disability, chronic illness or injury out doing pretty much any outdoor activity you can think of. Um, and then in the winter, I work for our local Nordic Center, which is also a nonprofit, doing uh, some after-school kids programs and some master's coaching and lessons and stuff like that. And then teaching some of those fitness classes and personal training on the side at another um, place here called Core. And then uh, in the winter, I'm also uh, coaching the Schemo team down at Western, which I just started last year, um, but is a super big part of what I'm doing in the winter. What did you think of that, the, co the coaching side? It was cool. Um, I mean, somehow I, I copped somebody into thinking it's a good idea for me to just go skiing with some other <laughs> friends Enthusiastic, and, and pay yeah. me yeah. Um, somehow. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I loved skiing with those kids. And uh, I say kids, they're like a year or two younger than mm -hmm. me. And um, it was really cool to kind of share some of the things that I've learned over time and um, be able to do some really fun skiing with them and, uh, and kind of be a part of their growth process as some of them are finding the same thing that I found a few years ago. And it's just cool to see those lights go on for, for other people. 
you are on the U.S. Schemo team as well and have been for... Uh, the last three years. So this will be winter four. Talk to me a little bit about that and that experience, the organization. Yeah. So um, it started when I qualified for the world's team in 2017 when I was a junior at Western. And that was for the world championships in Italy. And I went over thinking I was going to get my butt kicked. Um, got my butt more thoroughly kicked than I expected. Huh. <laughs> There's a guy named Killian Jornet. Oh, I've heard of him. <laughs> who I bet these podcast listeners <laughs> have heard of. Yeah. Who's pretty fast. Who actually since has kind of moved away from top-level schema racing, and there's some other guys that, that wouldn't have any trouble beating him, but that's a whole other conversation. And went over, and it was actually my first time leaving the country, uh, which was really cool to have sport be a reason for traveling and seeing the world and something that I, I had covered, uh, which like when you're 21 and you get a trip to go see Europe for the first time, like that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it comes from skiing and, and I felt really grateful for that. And then went again the next year, got my butt kicked slightly less hmm. at some races again in Italy and Norway and then saw Chamonix, which was really cool. Went for Worlds again last year. And I, I thought did pretty well for for my own expectations. I was 18th in the vertical, uh, which is just the hill climb, so just fitness, just uphill. Um, John Gaston and I teamed up and were eighth in the team's race, hmm. which was the highest finish a North American men's team has ever had, which was really exciting. And then I uh, did okay in some other events with, with some room for growth in the, a couple of the other races. Hmm. And then we'll go again this year and we'll see what happens. When is that? Um, well, this year I'll take a couple trips. So Worlds are only every other year. Got it. So there, there is no World Championship, so I'll, I'll kind of piece together a schedule of other yeah. uh, European races. Interesting. You mentioned Adaptive. Yeah. When did you start working with the Adaptive Center here? Uh, just this past summer. So this was my first season with them. But, yeah. Um, I think both of us are thinking hopefully it lasts a while. What have you, what have you been working with them in what capacity primarily? I'm an instructor. Yeah. So it's a seasonal job, but it's full time. So we're the ones actually working with the participants coming in and going out doing whatever activity uh, it is for them that day. And we also were talking before we started recording this that you had listened to the conversation we recently had with Kyle Robidoux. Totally, yeah. And, uh, I loved that conversation with Kyle and you were saying like, oh man, like that was cool. And we should see about doing more on the running side, potentially here. And obviously that would need to be run up the flagpole here, yeah. <laughs> but it seems like you would be pretty well qualified to uh, get involved in, in, in doing more of that stuff around these parts. Yeah, Kyle, if you're listening, come out to Crested Butte. Yeah, <laughs> this is a, for a round my, pitch, my pitch to Kyle <laughs> is getting even stronger here yeah. um, to come out. Um, yeah, see the beautiful new adaptive center we've got here. and, and uh, But that's cool. It sounds like you're, you kind of light up when you talk about that work. Yeah, totally. It's, uh, it's been amazing. So, like, I haven't worked with folks with disabilities in a, a concentrated setting before this summer. And they kind of hired me knowing that, knowing that they would train me up and, and I'd get lots of experience during the year. And I just loved every second of it. It was so cool. Um, like at the end of every day, participants are saying like, oh, thank you. Like, what a great day. Like, it was so cool being able to do this. And they'll have glowing things to say. Like, it might be, oh my gosh, I never thought I'd ride a bike again. Or, oh my gosh, that was the most fun thing I've ever done. And like really powerful statements. 
And 10 times out of 10, I look at the participant and I say like, thank you. Like I, I genuinely believe that I get more out of this than you do. <laughs> and a lot of times folks will like, oh, you work at Adaptive, that's so cool. Like bless your heart. Like it takes someone with so much patience and so much caring to, to work with those folks, like good for you. And I'm like, no, no, like that's not really what's going on here. Like I, I get so much from working with those people and I'm inspired by them on a daily basis. And like you see folks accomplishing things that are just mind boggling every single day. Like you might see someone who's paralyzed riding a downhill mountain bike, or you might see somebody with a developmental disability that's out like rock climbing and having the time of their life. And um, the perspective that these people have, no matter what disability they're coming in with and the stories they share and the things you learn from them is like something that if you were a part of once a year, every year, like that would be a strong memory and something that you look back on. As instructors, we're doing that every single day. Like it is mind blowing the, the things that you learn and gain from these people. Like they are so cool. And I often say like you as an adaptive sports instructor, someone comes in with a certain disability and they're doing a certain activity and you figure out how to make those two mesh. And once you get those two to mesh, then you're just out on a day with so-and-so, you know, then you're just having fun and, and enjoying the activity and enjoying being outside with whoever the person is and, and learning a lot from them along the way. And of course, hopefully they're learning from you and, and I'm providing something for them and, um, and all that. But like, I, I get so much out of seeing those people. How much does your college training help or even factor into the work you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis now? Yeah. So we, we had a really cool outdoor education program at Western and actually had a class called Altern Alternative Programming, which huh. was specifically about okay. working with adaptive populations. And there's a, I think most of what you learn as an outdoor instructor has to be in the field and with hands-on experience, but having a classroom component about um, just the different theories out there and the different psychological things to consider and all that, like having that classroom component is really valuable as well. It's going to be cool to see where this work with the Adaptive Center kind of takes you and how that grows. And I'm psyched to just keep learning more about the center here. Um, yeah. Yeah. What are the one or two or three trails that you actually run the most frequently? I love running the peak of Crested Butte, actually, um, in the summer and the fall. I think it's yeah, just a super accessible, like Alpine peak yeah. <laughs> um, that you can like get to in less than an hour from your back door, which is like, I think awesome. <laughs> um, sometimes I'll be really nerdy and ride the chairlift back down, but <laughs> uh, I also like kind of like going straight down the ski runs. <laughs> I don't know if I can say that if <laughs> Ski Patrol is going to listen to this or something. But. Dude, turns out <laughs> riding chairlifts down is actually like terrifying. Yeah, it's kind of fun. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah I've uh, I've done that on a couple of occasions when I've like gotten to the top of a lift and realized I've ripped the heel piece off of my ski and like when I was at a ski area and that was gonna, I started skiing down on one ski, just holding the other ski and they, the ski patrol like stopped me and would not let me ski down. Yeah. And so I like had to ride the chair and it was far more terrifying. Yeah. Like it's kind of steep and pitched anyway, that's a tangent, yeah, but. For sure. Um, 
Another trail I run most often, I really like going up to Green Lake, yeah. like things that are super accessible from town. I hate driving places uh, to recreate. And so like if I can run from my back door up to this nice little alpine lake and a steep climb up and a steep run down, like I think that's super fun too. Mm-hmm. So those are probably two of the ones I'm doing most often from town. Fun options. I Discovering more all the time around here. Oh, the- it's, yeah, it's a, a lifetime yeah. of things to do. I, I took one of my old paper maps. I really like lat 40 maps. And I started highlighting in like, all right, I ran this trail. I ran this peak. I biked this trail. I skied over here. And like, I kind of pride myself on doing new things all the time and trying to explore as much as I can. And I have just scratched the surface in six years of like pushing and going hard and going far and trying to see new places. And there's a lifetime left of things that I haven't touched that are blank spots on that map. Hmm. Like it's awesome. <laughs> it's exciting. It's yeah, cool. It yeah. is exciting. What's the best question that I haven't asked you? Oh, um, you know, I was listening to a podcast this morning, the FKT something podcast, yeah. and my friend Mike Foote was on it hmm. and they asked him, what's the coolest thing you've ever done? And I was like, oh, sweet. Like Mike's going to tell me the coolest thing he's ever done. <laughs> um, this is going to be really exciting. It's going to be some cool like ridge run or peak or some cool thing he skied or whatever. And he just goes, yeah, I coached a high school cross country team a few years ago. Um, and that was really sweet to like be a role model for them. And I also do some work for public lands and, and that's been really rewarding. I was like, oh, like, whoa, cool. <laughs> that's the coolest thing Mike's ever done. Like that's, that's sweet. That's awesome. I love that. Um, and I think if you asked me the coolest thing I've ever done, Similarly, it would be, I used to work at the summer camp and like I did the whole like your little cabin counselor and kids come and they go canoeing and they shoot archery and they play games and it's it's the whole like little American summer camp scene. And that was really fun when I was younger. And then I started doing backpacking trips with our teenager like leadership training programs. And that completely changed my life of I would get these 16 or 17 year old kids for four weeks at a time and I would take them out backpacking and also some biking and rafting and um, getting to know them and being able to be involved in their life at a critical time. Like they're getting ready for college or senior year of high school or whatever it is, was like the best relationships I've ever built and like having it's kind of like being a parent, but I don't have to like spend the money or be a parent or <laughs> you don't have <laughs> all to pay that. for their college. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, where I like can see and feel like an impact on these young people that I have every day and like in, inspire them to find the things that I found. You know, like I uh, like became a well rounded and healthy and happy person when I started spending time outside and giving back to others and doing these races and such. And like, I think that I've provided that for dozens of kids that are 16 and 17, kind of when I was doing the same thing over the last few years. And I just like, that just fills me with joy to just think about those kids or to get a text from them or whatever. And a couple of them are now down at Western actually. (laughs) I jokingly on a backpacking trip, I guess it was just last summer, said if any of you show up as freshmen at Western, I'll cook you five meals in my house. 
It's kind of off the cuff. <laughs> Two of them are already here. <laughs> one of them's coming in a few weeks, and then another one is probably coming in the fall. I'm like, oh my God, what have I done? Yeah. <laughs> I hope these kids like this school. <laughs> um, and you're cooking. Oh yeah, and I better get, <laughs> get yeah. ready to cook. Yeah. Um, and they're also something that I think about during races. You know, like I took so much pride in my role as a role model and teaching those kids to work hard and to be resilient and to never give up and to be passionate about what they're passionate about and all these values I tried to instill in them. And then I get to a race and we're 75% of the way through and it's really hard and there's adversity and things have gone wrong or whatever. And like, if I back off or if I quit, then who am I to tell all these kids <laughs> to never give up and to be resilient and all that? And like, I, I'm like held to a higher standard because of them. And it like changes the way I race and it changes the way I live. You know, like I have people that are looking to me to be their, their person to emulate, you know, and I, I can't let them down. Right. And like similarly, and this is going off on a tangent, like my mom has been the ultimate model of working hard and not complaining and being resilient my whole life. So like, who am I to, to not, you know, like that would be disrespectful to her to not. And when I go out biking with someone with adaptive and I'm riding with someone with a spinal cord injury who loves biking just as much as I do and pushes himself just as much as I do in their own racing with like hand cycles or whatever it might be, and I'm being a part of their experience, then when it comes my turn to race and push myself hard or to be grateful out on a training day when I'm seeing beautiful sights or just whatever it is, I'm like, who am I to not be grateful? And who am I to not push myself? And who am I to not get the absolute best from myself? Like all these people around me from whatever, wherever they're coming from, whatever angle they're coming from, inspire me to be better every day. And I think that that's a really cool way to be. Like I, I think I am who I am in every way because of the people around me. And so I'm just going to keep rolling with this <laughs> of like, I learned to love being outside and love giving back to others from the role models I had at that camp. And I learned to push myself and be resilient and get the most out of myself from all the people that I've worked with and given and seen pushing themselves in an adaptive hand cycle or whatever. And I've like, I'm around all these role models in the valley that like when I first showed up here and was like nothing competitively and like they had no reason to take any interest in me other than I was enthusiastic and having fun have taught me to be grateful for being out there and to have a lot of fun and all these other values and like who am I if all these people have taken all this investment to make my life better then who am I to ignore that you know it's like it to do them justice, I have to live a certain way. And that I think is, is really cool. And I hope other people feel that way from the, the positive people around them. Amen. This has been great. <laughs> um, yeah, thank you. I'm really glad we finally had the chance to sit down together and, uh, it's very cool to hear what you're up to and, uh, man, good luck with the, upcoming season. I don't think you need to be wished good luck with your current work. It sounds like that's going well and you're really enjoying it, but, um, yeah, it's going to be fun to, uh, keep an eye on you 
see what you keep getting yourself into. Yeah, super fun meeting you. I'm excited to see you out on, on the trails or on the ski hill. <laughs> awesome. Hey, thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much, Jonathan. That's it for this edition of Off the Couch. Thanks to Cam for the conversation. Thanks to Luke Alley for producing this episode. And thanks to you for listening. Until next time, keep moving forward, and we will talk to you again next week.